Hi everyone, in this episode of Green Fanatics, uh, myself and Gabriel will be speaking about the upcoming elections and the recent polling data that was released by the Center for Risk Analysis. We'll also be, be discussing what you need to look for in your public representatives. So stay tuned because we are going to have a good show ahead. Hey guys, welcome to Freedom Fanatics. This is a production of the Freedom Advocacy Network. I'm Sherlin, and this week I'm joined by Gabriel Krauser, who is the head of campaigns and an analyst at the South African Institute of Race Relations. Gabriel, how are you? I'm feeling good, Sherlin. How are you doing? I'm good. I can't complain. So first up, um, we will be looking at Fans Explainer video, which shows us exactly how um, South Africa's municipal elections work. So let's have a quick watch. When you vote to elect people to represent you in your local municipality, you get two ballots. The first is for a person to represent your local geographic ward. And the second is a vote for the party which you would like to be in charge of your municipality. This is called the Proportional Representation or PR ballot. Your ward vote can be for someone who represents a party or for an independent candidate. This person will be the political representative for you and your community. They will be the one you go to when having problems in your area, whether it be electricity issues, lack of municipal service delivery, or safety concerns. And how are local council seats determined in your municipality? A quota of votes needed to gain a seat is worked out by adding the total number of votes cast in that election on both the PR and ward ballots, and then dividing it by the number of seats available in the municipality. All votes cast for a party on the PR ballot and for that party's candidates on ward ballots are added together. Each party's total is then divided by the quota to see how many seats they are entitled to. The number of ward seats already won by that party are then subtracted from the total number of seats allocated to the party. The remainder of seats the party is entitled to are then allocated to councillors on the party's PR list to ensure the proportion of votes cast for a party roughly matches its proportion of seats. Your municipal vote is one of the most important that you will cast. Make sure you use it wisely. Your ward representative will be the first political representative you go to when you have problems with service delivery. Make sure it's someone you can count on. Your freedom is worth fighting for. Join FAN today to build a new tomorrow. Yeah, Gabriel, so now that we have a clear idea of um, how voting takes place, especially in the municipal elections in South Africa, my question to you basically is that when South Africans go to cast the vote on the 1st of November, what should they be looking for when, with regards to ideas and characteristics of the candidates they elect? Yeah, so municipal elections are about as grassroots as it gets. Meat and potatoes, yeah. 
potholes? Uh, are the substations of the electricity box being well protected and managed? Is the water reticulation working? And I think that the methodological approach that I recommend um, is to evaluate political parties and candidates not on the basis of promises so much as the basis of past performance. So if someone it has been in charge and things haven't been working, there's been non-clean audits, money's been stolen, the roads have been disintegrating, but they say, no, I promise this time it's going to be better. Um, that's unlikely to be a good reason to vote for them uh, mm -hmm. because politicians are incentivized to promise the moon. In some sense, politics is just an auction of promises. You have various people promising more and more and more and more, and whoever can promise the most, bidding it up uh, kind of gets the most attention. But I think yeah. that if you're smart about it, if you're a grown-up about it, uh, and let me just preface this by saying I've never voted in a municipal election before because I was kind of a child. Um, mm. I didn't think about the causal connection between that bit of effort and the reality I'm living in. Uh, and then I grew up a little bit and, and now I'm very eager to vote. Um, I think people who, who are voting maturely are going to look at past performance and they're going to, uh, and they're going to bet that that's the best predictor of, of future performance. Yeah. So essentially what I'm getting from what you're saying is that we should be looking at the track record of those who have been in government to have, who have been able to actually run a functioning municipality. Correct. And then you want to get into a little bit of detail, like I live in Johannesburg, and that was governed by a coalition with the DA and the EFF, effectively, uh, and then that was broken down, and then the ANC took charge. So there is quite hard to establish what the track record is. Where things have mm. failed, is that the DA's fault? Is that the EFF's fault? Is that because the DA didn't get the majority that they were looking for to be able to make choices without relying on the EFF caucus? Uh, you might mm -hmm. have to get into some detailed analysis if you're going um, sort of in local geography. But if you look at national level performance, parties in particular uh, have very different track records. Uh, there are parties of the major ones, excepting the EFF, which has never been in control of anything uh, explicitly. Um, they, you, you have you know, competing regions where you can see how's this town done that's been run by the ANC, how's this town done when it's been run by the EFF, I mean by the yeah. DA. Yeah, yeah and, I, and even um, I should also encourage our viewers to actually go check out on News 24. They are having this out of order um, feature, yeah. if I remember correctly, where they actually are listing for us the best around municipalities and the governing parties in there. And I think that's really informative when we when we do decide on the political parties that we want um, representing or independent candidates yeah. um, representing us. For sure. And Gabriel, since we are speaking about the track records and the promises of political parties in South Africa, um, I'd actually like to segue um, into one of our fans' uh, most recent articles, which deals with the latest election polling numbers. Um, and as our title mentions, that they are quite fascinating because some of the recent polling data suggests uh, actually that the ANC support will, in these upcoming elections, could well drop below 50%. What do you think has led the ANC to this point that they are now struggling with 50%? And what are the consequences of an ANC loss? 
Yeah, so let's remember ANC heyday, they, they, they're pipping around 70%, and now they're on the knife's yeah. edge to lose that majority. Um, this has been a slow decline in support. Uh, it's largely been on the back of disgruntlement uh, amongst ordinary voters with ANC performance. So, I mean, of the municipalities that don't even submit budget data, you know, it's one thing to to put the thing to 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 lay out the receipts, but then they you're missing like a hundred million. It's another thing not even to have the receipts. Um, <laughs> those yeah. those twenty odd municipalities are all ANC run, and then as you go up the line of 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 bad performance, strong indicators of corruption, poor service delivery, uh, you see a lot of you just see the ANC almost exclusively represented there too. So people eventually, you know, I think with the ANC. Uh, the 2000s were very good materially. Uh, the economy was doing well. Anti had some good policies, um, service delivery in terms of new piped water, new RDP houses, that kind of stuff was good. So people were seeing some material benefits. Where there was a bit of theft, they were like, well, let's cut them some slack. Um, but that material benefit has stalled. The economy has shrunk effectively. Jobs have decreased. Uh, we're sort of sitting at mid-2000s levels of jobs. And people on the ground are then like, well, what is left for me to vote for you. And so the promise is, if you vote for the opposition, they'll bring back apartheid. That was like a Ramaphosa campaign line a long time ago. But, you know, you have you have a kind of um, identitarian politics and and, uh, and an appeal to Nelson Mandela in the CBD of Johannesburg, uh, where I live half the time. Uh, literally, they have Mandela's face on the ANC posters. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah. I don't know how many parties have campaigned on, on a dead person's image uh, in mm. the history of politics. I'm um, sure. sure it has happened before somewhere. Um, but that's kind of where the ANC's landed up, like a history of glory and a promise of future goodness, but really no good track record to rely on. And so that's dropped it uh, to, to where it's, it's now possibly going to lose its majority. If that happens, I think it only accelerates the decline because the ANC's popularity has largely been driven on popularity. Uh, so, you know that phrase, she's famous for being famous, sometimes used by Paris Hilton. Um, <laughs> there are net network effects is the technical term for this, where people see that something is highly esteemed. And so they esteem it highly just because other people esteem it highly. You're the most popular person because yeah. you're the most popular person kind of a thing. Um, so that's been the basis of the ANC's ruling until Jesus comes kind of rhetoric. Uh, mm -hmm. coming from Jacob Zuma. They drop below 50% and they no longer have that sense of invincibility. They no longer have that sense of, of, of being the party that can pretend to be for all. And let's just remember with half of South Africans generally not voting, um, the ANC's already only got the support of about one in four adults. Um, and if that drops below one in four and that means they get a technical minority, uh, mm -hmm. they're going to have to really rethink their uh, campaign strategy. And if they can't find a track record to argue on, I think that the 2020s see the the collapse ultimately of the ANC. Yeah, and I hope that comes sooner um, than we expect. But another thing, with the, especially with the collapse of the ANC, as you mentioned, um, I read this article yesterday, um, I think it was in the Daily Maverick, and Biki Chile essentially warns that four of South Africa's major provinces um, are being placed on high risk um, due to the upcoming elections and that they expect violence or rioting to occur again, as we saw um, in, in the earlier parts of the year. Do you actually think this is a genuine concern 
or is it just fear mongering of if you guys kick out the ANC, the country will go out into anarchy? What is the player, do you think? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. Um, so I spoke to a friend in Harry Smith this morning. Um, shout out, by the way, to an independent candidate there, uh, Peter <laughs> van Heerden, who, who as, an as a private citizen, fixed the water there with a team of private citizens and is now campaigning as a, a ward candidate saying, look, here's my track record. We had no water yeah. for six weeks. Then we got water. I know how to fix problems. Interesting. Um, but they, you know, the road, the highway passed there, the N3, a lot of it's closed down. Um, some of the sort of parallel main thoroughfares are being closed down too. Um, I think that uh, there is some good reason for that. I think that where those two problems conjoin uh, is basically holding the country to ransom at the threat of violence. It's not a good reason to base your vote on the thought that if you don't vote that way, um, you're going to be punished. We have a secret ballot, and that is in Chapter 1 of the Constitution. Uh, your right to to tell people who you're voting for and advocate for who you're voting for is completely enshrined and protected, as is your right to cast your ballot and uh, then uh, not let anyone know who you voted for. And that's for the good reason that democracy only works if people are voting for their interests rather than out of fear. Yeah, and I think it also that slowly tiptoes around, like you mentioned, it's and it, it, it slowly tiptoes around intimidation or even coercion, I think. Because if you're just threatening people that, you know, there's violence will occur if you don't vote for the ANC. And this is coming from the ANC. So I think that there is a great risk of going that direction. And the political um, assassinations within yeah. the ANC. And, and just a follow-up note, you know, the ANC's candidates, they, they were too slow to uh, fill out their candidate lists uh, in mm. about 10% of the municipalities of the country. Um, and then they fought and the IEC helped them out, didn't seem super independent to get their candidates back on the list. So the Constitutional Court didn't say that's okay. Yeah. It said it's too soon to tell if that's okay or not. Um, so there might be court action coming from various political parties after the election to say, look, we had to run against an ANC candidate who's like 65 years old, who's been on the voters' roll forever, but didn't get his candidate nomination in on time. There's no reason that he or she didn't uh, need to do that. Um, and so this person should be disqualified. That court action could succeed. But if someone tries, you, the reason uh, that uh, party might not try is that they might be worried that uh, the, magist the electoral court gets stormed. Um, mm. And that's uh, just another indicator of how delicately poised our democracy is and how important it is to use your vote wisely, not to exacerbate the problem, but to ameliorate the problem by withholding power from those who would use it to abuse you and other citizens. Yeah, and one quick note as well is one of the books I'm actually reading right now is um, People's War by Anthea Jeffrey. And in it, she clearly details the violent... Um, tendencies of the ANC to essentially make South Africa um, ungovernable, especially during apartheid. But I think we are, I wouldn't put it past them if we see that behavior occurring again. Um, because the, as you mentioned, political assassinations, these things happen um, for them to gain power. So fear is clearly a tactic that 
they are not afraid to use. And Gabriel, um, before we end, I know that you are, as I mentioned earlier, you are part of the head of campaigns at the South African Institute of Race Relations. What are you guys up to at the campaigns and what, and how can we get involved to support the action you guys are taking? Great. Thank you, Sholin. So we are campaigning to disband the Coronavirus Command Council uh, in the state of disaster. I don't know if you know this, but uh, in, over the last week plus, South Africa's had the lowest deaths and cases on record since the first wave. So that's really good news uh, that a lot of sort of media houses don't want to talk about because it shows how absurd it is that we are in a state of disaster. Yeah. Um, our numbers are so low, it can't justify this command council, which doesn't have proper parliamentary oversight, which can decide when you're supposed to go to bed, when you're allowed to drive around, how large your funeral is allowed to be. Uh, it's it's really um, it's really not on. We're trying to we're petitioning against that. We're pushing up uh, on ten thousand uh, petitions. So please go to irr.org.za or see our social media, um, and you can sign on to that petition there. Uh, we're looking at uh, some lawyers' action to accelerate uh, the the disbandment of the command council. And let me just finish by saying this because there's a connection back to local government elections. Yeah. Of course, Zuma is effectively the prime minister of the command council. Open-toed shoes, cigarettes, she decides. Um, she also said that we cannot have an election this year because coronavirus is too scary. The science showed this was completely ridiculous. She tried to sabotage the process by proclaiming the election before there was registrations so that 300,000 people didn't get a chance to register to vote. Sure. That's disenfranchisement at an unprecedented level in the new South Africa. If you want to go vote, think about the people who fought for your right to vote. Institutions like the IRR, we went to the Concord, but also the political parties that were there. And think about the political party that supports the command council that wanted to deny your right to vote in this election or postpone this election indefinitely for as long as, as COVID is around. Um, I think it would be good to think very wisely about what, it, about what that means. Yeah. Once again, through this campaign by the IRR, it clearly shows that he has not afraid to tackle the big dogs um, and <laughs> take them all the way, even if it means um, ending up in court um, and presenting it to um, some of South Africa's judges. I think that's important. But Gabriel, thanks again for this conversation. We've reached the end of this episode and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And to our viewers, don't forget to catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, IGTV and Facebook as well. At the Join Fan, you can support our fight for freedom and sign up at freedomadvocacy.net. And remember, guys, that your freedom is worth fighting for.